0: MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast. Uh, for those of you who may not know, we have our iTunes feed up, so be sure to search for that at iTunes, or you can always go to the at MLSFI Twitter account, and there should be a link that I recently posted right there. And uh, once again, I am joined by some great hosts. We have Scott, Travis, Simon, and I'm Reed. How are you guys doing today? Good. I think this is uh, the first time Scott is on the show with us, but last time he was responsible for helping us get Quincy on the show, so big props to that.
1: Yeah, thank you, Scott. Uh, don't take me anything, Quincy. He's a really good guy, and it was great of him to do it. Oh, absolutely.
0: So the one other bit of housekeeping I want to take care of before we jump into what this show is about is the Fantasy Leagues are now up that some of you guys may want to join. The r slash fantasy mls league that's the one for the reddit forum the code is four dash three zero two And then for the MLS Fantasy Boss, that code is 4-301. So you guys can always use the auto links on the Reddit forum or over at MLSFantasyBoss.com or just type those in manually, and you can join some great leagues. And at least the Fantasy MLS one is going to have some prizes again this year. And so with all that aside, today's topic is the new rules of 2015. Hallelujah, the game is out.
2: Yes, and... Quite a few, or at least a couple of significant rule changes
0: that are going to really affect uh, how we play. Uh, a question I've seen a lot has been about auto subs and manual subs. I know that was a big point last year. People really wanted those subs back. But uh, Eternal Blue, over from Reddit and Fantasy Boss, was tweeting with Andrew Wiebe, and what he has found out is that there will be no switcheroo option this year, that that will actually be a toggle. I know this is different than what the rules said, but is that how you guys have interpreted it? No switcheroo this year? Yeah, there's there's not going to be a
2: switcheroo, there's not going to be a caperoo. If you pick a captain and he doesn't play, then you get zero points for him.
0: That's going to suck. But you have that option. I think the way it's going to work is before the team's lock, you'll choose auto or manual. And of course, if you do manual, you'll jump in at any time during the week. Make your sub as long as the player you're subbing out and player subbing in has not played. And if it is auto, of course, at the end of the week, your guys will just automatically switch up as long as they fit the lineup rules
1: seems like a big effort to uh, um, kind of eliminate the Caparoo switcheroo. I mean, doesn't it seem like it? I mean, it's two years that they've been working on tweaking this to get rid of something that was rather mundane, you know?
0: I can see why they'd want to get rid of the cap-a-roo. I Yeah, that does tread on an exploit, I guess, of the system. But when it came to switcheroo, I always sort of viewed that as, uh, I like guess, Managing your team 2.0 or 202 as far as just a little bit advanced team changing is how I saw that as.
3: Yeah, I'm kind of confused as to uh, why there's so much effort going into getting rid of those, just because I think those two take away variance and variance kind of, or like the lack of variance kind of rewards better players and. At least now you have the option to choose if it's manual or auto subs, but I don't know. Anything you can do to decrease variance, I think is kind of kind of good and this seems like a lot of effort to increase it bizarrely. So,
0: seems like the same thing with the second rule change we're going to talk about too. Yes. Price change rules. So we're now working on performance-based price changes, no longer the transfer market or the stock market system. So that's going to be the big portion of this podcast. Let's just dive right in. Right. So
2: basically, if you haven't read the rules yet, um, how it's going to work is that based on each player's how many points he gets, his price will go up or down or stay the same. Uh, compared against the average of all of the players in his position uh, that play that round at least 45 minutes in a match. So if the player scores three or more points more than the average, he'll get a plus one. If he scores six or more points, he'll get plus two. And then the other way, minus one for three less than the average, and minus two for five or more less than the average. You know, one of the big rules, and I just read the
1: the rules a couple minutes before we started here, but one of the big ones that popped out at me is if somebody gets
0: a red card, they drop .2, no matter what. Automatically. And that does add on to what else they would have dropped with the average as well. Correct. Although, I wonder about that because, let's
2: say, a player plays 40 minutes, and then gets a red card. Does that mean he's only going to get the minus point two?
0: Yes, because uh, the, the rule did say that. Irregardless of irregardless is that a word? Regardless of mi- minutes, then you would still get a minus two with the red card. But, but I'm also taking it to anymore. be that you. It only says you fall if you've played 45. So can you still rise if you've not played 45?
2: Yes. According to what I've seen, you can still rise. So if you got a super sub that comes on uh, 30 minutes left in the game and scores 8 points, you could potentially still rise.
1: Now, where does it say in here, somebody had said this, that you have to play 45 minutes to be counted into the average?
0: That's I'm, correct. So if you're listening to this and you have not looked at the rules yet, just go to the fantasy website at that top bar, click on the About drop-down, click on rules they have a little expandable plus for all everything we're specifically focused on price changes which is the
3: very bottom option so obviously i think one of the things that everyone is wondering about with this is how likely are people to rise or fall do we have any idea it seems like those um outer outer point two increase or decrease are like that's, that's quite a bit. Five points above the average is what it is, yeah? Six, Six points five, above. Time to drop, yeah. You know. How do you even score five points below the average? You pull O'Donovan Ricketts. Okay. Or you
0: miss some PKs, get some red cards. Well, then now, Scott, you and Travis both looked at some of the data from last year to see how people would have changed with this new system, is that right? Yeah, what I did was I calculated. I just pulled
1: one random week from last year. It was like week 16, I believe, is the data I pulled. Um, so I just took the points per per game from the top, you know, depending on position. Like for goalkeepers, I took the top 19 because you would expect 19 starters, you know, the top uh, top 80 or so defenders because you would expect 80 defenders that would count within the average. And then I kind of tried to see where they would break down, you um, Didn't look at the specific week, because I'm sure that's going to vary a lot, but just to give us some ideas of where those point point, uh, changes might happen at. And I didn't get a chance to talk to Travis to see what he had, so I'll let him explain his, and then we can kind of dive in and see how different our data is.
2: Right, yeah, I kind of just looked at the averages for each position uh, week to week to see what kind of numbers the players were posting that were playing 45 minutes or more in a match to find out what, what those averages could be that would be counted against or the, the rises or decreases. Well, let's run through this and compare numbers. What you get
1: for your average goalkeeper score?
2: Yeah, so most of the positions, the number ranged from four to five, basically, 90% of the time. There was a couple of off weeks where it would be under four or above five. But I'd say probably 90% of the time, all of the positions averaged in the 3.8 to maybe 5.1 range.
1: And you did a week by week? Yeah, that's that's pretty much. Now, I got lower for mids, um, and I pulled pulled mids at two different values because I pulled – I think I pulled the top 80 mids and the top 100 mids because you're more likely to have a mid uh, play 45 minutes and you're more likely to have a five mid formation on a right. team. And with them, I actually got down to 3.69. So yeah, and I don't know how
2: much of that is mids playing 30 minutes versus, yeah, I don't know. but Yeah, but I actually had mids coming in at the
0: lowest. Goalkeepers were the highest at almost five points a game. Of course, with that midfielders, it goes along with our conventional wisdom that the defensive ones are the ones that aren't usually as popular. So I'm sure we have a bunch of guys who are just playing for 90 minutes, getting a couple of bonus points, maybe a clean sheet for that extra one right there and coming out with two or three points compared to the Valeries and Dempsey's and the, and the Bradleys that are going to be getting goals and assists and stuff.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I wanted to look at deeper was the difference between C B s and fullbacks because that could yeah. be a big point difference. Because right now I'm showing the defensive average is about 4.3, meaning that a guy would have to have a 0 to a negative, or I'm sorry, like a negative 2 to drop, but would only need like a 7 to rise. Um, and that has got to be more likely as center backs that are going to be up there because you're going to have more fullbacks that are scoring 1s and 2s and, you know, not getting the CBI bonuses and that
0: kind of thing. And, of course, we got the clean sheet bonus, which might be a little higher. I have not looked into this at all, just fair warning. But uh, especially with the East this year, a little bit weaker team, maybe see some more clean sheets at the start of the season while people are still settling in. Could be some early rises.
1: Yeah, clean sheets could, could play a big factor into this. I mean, if you're a goalkeeper and you get an 8, you should rise. A defender with a 7 should rise. So seven's pretty easy for a center
0: back with a clean sheet bonus. So do you all think that will impact players' ability, players being the fantasy managers, in getting the value players? I know last year we had David Horst, who was rising steadily. How quickly do we think those players are going to jump and potentially have players miss out on getting them?
2: Honestly, from what I saw, um, the value players, like the Lloyd Sams, and the David Horsts were not that likely to jump up in value, based uh, compared to how they were jumping up from transfers in, because the Lloyd Sams and the guys in the midfield that are scoring five, six points, but were only maybe five million dollars, their value is not going to rise. At all, but they'll still be worth picking up. So those guys could be players that managers are looking for, where they're not going to skyrocket out of range, like well, maybe one of the Pedro Morales would if he goes off and starts scoring tens and elevens and gets up to twelve million. Well, I
1: think the one of the things is that
2: they can. They have
1: to rise slower, actually. I mean, you can only rise point two a week now, right? Uh, unless a there's a double rise game. 0.3, unless there's a double game. If you got a double game, so I think that. I mean, know that's something. Somebody's going to rise slower, and I think what he was saying was right. These value players weren't like topping the charts and scoring wise. They were just scoring average points, but they were doing it for a lot cheaper price than. Mm-hmm than the other guys out there. So they're likely to stay at the same price or maybe rise, you know, 0.1 here or 0.1 there, but not like last year where, you know, David Horst would go up 2 million. That's just unlikely.
3: Yeah. I tend to think that would be more likely is like we were saying before is those big name players that are consistently scoring really high amounts and have the high values could just get out of range for people more than the uh, value players ticking up too quickly well that is my hope as well because i
0: i'm a big fan of this new system i think it's really going to work out great i also love the flip side of the coin with the falls how when the gold cup comes around and some of our big marquee players leave you're not going to get penalized for people just trading them away to get somebody else you can still keep your player at the value that he was just roll through it
2: and at the same time though i think there's going to Potentially be more transfers in and out on rosters, A, because the prices aren't going to be changing that much, and B, there's no sell-on fee. So yep. there's, no, there's no hit to, to get rid of someone or to, to go out and, and pick someone new.
1: So, yes, if you have, like, a Zimmerman who's a great value and you ride him for a couple of weeks, you want to get rid of him, you couldn't do that before because, you know, you had .9, 1.2 built up in him. Um, now you can switch him out for someone else, and, I mean, that's a good point. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of the new the new price system. I kind of like the market-driven system. Um, yes, my main concern, I guess, is on drops, the drop side of it. I don't see goalkeepers or defenders dropping um, almost at all, um, even midfielders, so seems, I don't know, we're going to have to test it out. We're going to have to try it out, I guess. So you're the harder-to-gain salary
0: cap camp,
1: then? I guess um, maybe not harder to gain, just less fluctuation. You know, I mean, I see a guy could be underperforming and not drop in price, whereas before, if he was underperforming, he would get dropped, and he would drop in price. Mm -hmm. Um, And that seems to be taken away a bit, because, you know, like I said, I mean, a goalkeeper that has to score a zero to drop .2, you know, whereas before he just had to, you know, not be producing and he would drop
2: point two. <laughs> yeah, and in most of the cases I saw it was gonna take
0: a negative performance to drop point two.
1: Yeah, defenders I've got it like negative two to drop
0: point two. So do we see this as a change that's more friendly to a casual player? You don't have to worry about the massive fluctuations and all of a sudden, oh, this this team has an extra one and a half or two million more in their salary cap than I do. I can still be competitive, even as a more casual. Yeah, I, mean, I guess follower.
1: I guess that's what their their drive is all around. I mean, you want to get those casual followers that stick with it for the first ten weeks and then, you know, drop off anyway. So it's kind of interesting how they keep changing it towards them.
2: Well, I think it will benefit the casual players in the fact that with the market-driven price changes, the it was very difficult for a casual player to predict when a price change was going to happen. It was even tougher for, for us to finally nail down <laughs> when those, when those uh, price changes were going to happen. Yeah, the that, formula that, was a little bit unknown. And having that it, headache be gone is nice. Yeah, so now it's going to be pretty easy to see, okay, if a player scores
0: 10... He's going to rise. There's no doubt about it. Though. And of course, we have to, I think it's a good time to bring up the trades can't happen until after the round's over to give time for these calculations to be made. So people can miss out on being able to bring in a guy middle of the week when they see he's got 10 points and they know he's going to rise, but now they can't. Right, right. They'll have to wait and then pay the extra fee if they want to get the guy. And hope that he keeps producing. Do you guys like that change? Do you like waiting till the end, or do you like having the next round open up as soon as the current round starts?
3: You know, I wasn't a fan of it at first, but the more I've thought about it, I think it's makes makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know why reward people for just being slightly more in tune to what's going on and deciding to make an early transfer. That said, again, with the variance thing, it does take away another decision that you have to make, which is, hey, do I make my transfers at the beginning of the round and try and get value, or do I wait until the end when I'm sure the players are going to play or not get injured in midweek training? And so it is one less decision that people have to make. Yeah, I see no reason not to wait now this year. No reason at all. Right, because the
0: prices aren't going to change midweek. And that goes for those wildcard weeks as well. There's there's no going to be playing the market during that time. It's just make your trades when you think your players are not going to make it or you want to capitalize on some double games and then just wait it out. That makes sense. Which sad. our friends from over in
3: Europe will surely appreciate not
0: having to have the opportunity right. to stay on top of it as much as we do.
3: Right. The other thing that I find interesting about this uh, new way of price changes and that you can't really get in before the changes happen is that it does at least force you to really have to evaluate, oh, is this player going to continue to produce? Because if you're going to invest the extra money, and I think it seems like the salary cap is really pretty tight this year, maybe even tighter than last year, I don't know. Maybe I'm just imagining that. I haven't done the data... but it it seems really difficult to manage your salary budget this year and forcing that kind of like really difficult choice is also something that's really interesting to me there's no easy way to to pick up a player that's performed really well you have to say oh well i'm going to pick them up at the same increased value that everyone else is yeah i think you know i struggled to decide if i thought
0: that was a rule change or not, but I think it's a good way to sort of wrap up the section here, is there have been some changes in the prices of players. How have you all interpreted that? Is it too high? Is it too low? Or is it a Goldilocks just right? I
1: think it varies depending on the player. I think it seems like they tend to base the beginning prices on a, like the last five weeks of performance from the previous year. Mm-hmm. So you see guys that had you know really good ending seasons like Lin Nguyen um, be priced really high, you see but, you you know, you don't see that overall. And the problem with that is it's going to be so hard for these guys to drop. They're going to stay that high, and they're not going to be able to to fall down to where they should be. So if you look at previous year, I think Mike McGee is a great example because he had a really good previous year and was priced really high, and, you know, he, he fell a little bit over the course of the year where he's unlikely to fall this year, you know, if, if all he has to do is score a point or two per game that he plays in. So I think we're going to see guys like that adjust less. I mean, other than that, the prices seem pretty decent to me.
0: Yeah, I know I, I had uh, messaged Travis some um, right, right when the game first came out. I was I guess I had a feeling the midfielders seemed a little bit high to me. I know that's been an area I've had a lot of trouble just becoming happy with in my early team creations. But uh, overall, I I think, it's, I think it all seems pretty reasonable so far.
1: I think one other thing that we didn't talk about is how point adjustments might affect price changes. Are they still going to do midweek point adjustments
0: oh, for bonuses?
1: Yeah. So if somebody, I mean, if somebody rises, you know, gets a plus two in the in a week adjustment, that could cause them to rise another point one
0: in price. And how would that be handled? That's a good point. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It might be something to uh, follow up on with with, well, with, uh, with Andrew Weeby and maybe see, see how that works out for maybe the, the next podcast.
2: And here's another twist that I just thought of. So they mentioned that the price adjustments are going to happen per match. So in case there's two matches, a team has a double game week, there's a potential for more than one increase or decrease.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: but all of those increases and decreases are going to be based on the average scores for the entire round.
0: So do all of the price changes happen at the end of the week? So I have a thought on that. Uh, You guys can see what you think. What I think is going to happen is they'll, they'll, one, do all the changes at the end of the week, yes, but that... For the double game week, say we'll take game week six of of this season, they will take the average of all the players who play in their first game. So all the single week guys and the first game of the double game week players, which is going to be Columbus and Vancouver. But then for the second game, they will just look at the average scores for the Columbus, New England, Vancouver, and San Jose games. Maybe, or is it just going to be New England and Columbus? That's what I don't know. It seems like you got to
1: base it on all the data combined. I mean, if you try to base price changes just on four teams playing,
0: the, the sample size is too small and the variance is going to be far too great. Because two of those teams are also only a single-week team. So that's where I don't know if they'll just use New England and San Jose in the single-week calculation but then look at Vancouver and Columbus, so you're just dividing everything by those two teams. But potentially that could be it. They just look at Columbus and Vancouver in that second game and find the average of those two teams, and then they can maybe go up again. But I think go. they'll just be added on. Like a player will have
1: two listings, you know, so if you're looking at uh, who plays Vancouver, plays twice, so if you're talking about Pedro Morales, um, you know, if he's he'll probably just have two lines on the spreadsheet, basically.
0: Could be. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it'll, we'll all be surprised, I guess, at game week six. We'll see how it happens. There'll be torches lit and and all sorts of rabble-rousing going on, but we'll survive. Well, that covers everything I had on my list. Do you guys have anything else you want to say about rule changes for 2015? No, I'm, I'm excited to get to look at the, uh, the community segment. It'll be fun. So quick wrap-up. No switcheroo. Auto and manual seem to be a toggle that might be implemented in the future. Performance-based changes, and your trades are going to happen at the end. So hold them. Hold them and wait. See what happens. So it should be fun. So now comes the fun part, the community segment of our show. And we're going to answer some questions. So if you are just listening to this podcast for the first time, there were some posts at the MLSFI Twitter account and the MLS Fantasy Boss Twitter account to encourage people to come to Reddit to post on a thread of questions that we're going to answer for this and in the future future podcasts. Of course, you're always welcome to tweet. But we're going to go through some of those right now and just see what's on the mind of the community. So I guess you want to kick us off, Travis?
2: Uh, Sure, yeah. The first question that I saw that was interesting came from J.A. Shock, and he was asking, he or she was asking, who in the 4.5 to 5.5 price range was a must-have Uh, The first person that stood out to me was Walker Zimmerman. If he's healthy, he's a starter for Dallas at 5.5. And Dallas is looking pretty strong right now. So that is definitely a cheap way to get in on
0: the back line and have a starting defender. Yeah, he's the one that comes to my mind as well. Are we including keepers? There's a there's a few keepers that are probably in that five point five range, but Oh almost all keepers would fall in that range. There's <laughs> a few. Uh, the five range, what maybe four four guys in in the five point range. They might be starters. But um, I don't know. I find that range pretty pretty bottom of the barrel this year, especially with preseason going on. I I don't, I don't know.
1: Yeah I think that's a question you have to almost have to wait till next week to ask when you know who's going to be starting and you know who's going to be. I think that if you look at Orlando I think there might be a defender that you can pick up somebody on Orlando's defense has to be cheap and they do have I think their schedule they have a lot of home games or
3: something like that going on
0: four to four point five is is usually what I consider my my bench garbage and they're just going to be there to help free up my cap space
3: yeah it does not seem like there's a lot of super cheap options this year which sort of makes things difficult but like I have Zimmerman on my team right now and I really I have no idea who else is just going to be a locked starter and even Zimmerman doesn't seem like he's completely a locked starter because Pareja has that habit of uh rotating his team so see if that continues this year but it has the last couple so, that leads I, can't so. Of, well, okay. I can't think of any uh, midfielders
1: or forwards does anybody know of any cheap forwards that might be starting maybe not within that range but just someone
0: cheap uh, there's been some rumblings. Let's see here. Let me go to the the page real quick. From uh, Columbus, a few people have been talking about uh, was it Bettle? Yeah, you know, I picked him up as my
1: backup just because he got a lot of a little bit of time towards the end of the season last year.
0: Yeah, he's a four-five. I mean, with Higuain and Kamara and some of those other guys, I don't I don't really know if he'll see any time, but I mean, if you've got to have at least probably a couple 4.5s if you're not going to do much, if you're not planning on having a lot of Columbus players, he's an option.
1: And yeah, that's as cheap as it gets for forwards, I think, 4.5. So
3: True. True. Yeah, they raised the minimum for him this year, it looks like. So since we're talking about the bench, we had a couple of questions
0: about uh, with the auto sub, does that mean you should have at least one legitimate player on your bench? Uh, my opinion is no. Forget the bench.
3: Get your team lined up before it starts, and then roll with it. I'm of the exact same mind. Um, I don't think it's worth the extra the extra money or d- diluting your starters just so that in case one of your players doesn't play, you get some marginal replacement that scores two or three points. Just if you end up having ten, you end up having ten. Better to go with high upside than. Try and save a couple of points that probably don't really matter that much. I'll disagree with you guys. I think it's worth it to have one player,
1: maybe five midfielders, um, not just for formation variation, auto subs, and also to help get through bye weeks. I think it's good to have just one person. It doesn't have to be a great guy. It could be, you know, a five or six million dollar guy. But I think it's it's nice to have that. I mean, if we're all complaining about not having auto subs, but we didn't have anybody on the bench we could sub in anyways. What's the point? <laughs>
0: And, of course, for for casual, very helpful.
2: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree that uh, having at least one guy that you can bring out just in case, you never know, they could get a clean sheet or they could have an assist. And I know more than one one occasion last year I had a sub happen where I had absolutely no idea that they were going to rotate out a player that had been starting every single game. And I brought in, for example, Tesho delay. And he oh. scores the hat trick. Yeah.
1: Gary <laughs> Ship team. was a great example from last year too. Oh yeah. Yeah, and they yeah, were yeah. both really cheap. Yeah, Harry. Harry uh, killed it in midseason, so uh, or preseason. So I had him on my team just because he was, you know, he was relatively unknown and he was pretty cheap. So I had him on my team from the jump, and he was getting playing time and scoring good. and Then everyone picked him up, and then um, <laughs> he ends up falling out of favor. I don't getting tired. I don't know what
2: happened, but he stopped getting playing time in the last third of the season. There. I mean, I'm not going to to spend a lot of money on my bench, and All but probably one of my bench players is going to be a minimum 4.5, 4.0 guy that's not going to see time so that I can put more money into my starting 11. But I'm going to have one guy there just in case.
3: Yeah, that's totally fair. I guess uh, my holdup was more that I can't figure out any of those low-cost guys who are going to be reliable substitutes. But I think definitely if you can, and maybe that's like like we said earlier – Going to be uh, more apparent in the next week after starting lineups get a little bit more settled, then it's definitely worth having a, a low cost guy that's going to start on your bench. What to hold strong with no bench. Hold strong. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Thanks. Do you want the, the next one, Simon? So our next question comes from CFOT Does Altidor's price make him a must buy, or is the schedule too much of an issue? Also, what role do you expect Velazquez to play at NYCFC, and do you think he is a good buy? I office? don't think
1: schedule is too much of an issue with Josie. I think it's just that he's new to coming back to MLS, and we've seen it with get players over and over again. They need an adjustment period um, to kind of make sure that, you know, that they're there, that they're going to be able to produce. I mean, we all thought that... I don't know. Give me an example from last year. Some guy who we thought would tear it up right away and, you know,
2: it took him took him time to fall in. I would say Defoe, but he kind of tore it up there early in the season, didn't he? <laughs> he had that middle.
0: And then park. he fell
1: off,
2: yeah.
3: Bradley. I mean, Bradley didn't, didn't come in and
1: light it up right away, but...
3: Yeah, I think Altidore is going to score boatloads of goals, honestly. Um, I do think that the schedule is an issue. Eight away games is, like, a pretty big deal, and... I wouldn't worry about Altidore so much as the fact that TFC has new midfield players. See how well Jovinko fits into the squad. And uh, we all know from his Premier League times at Sunderland, Altidore is a player who needs service. And if he's not getting that service from the TFC midfield... But well, Altidore is um, also great at, at the hold-up play.
0: So he could really do a lot for for the other players too, though. He
2: could, but about whether that translates to points for him, though. Very true. I think
1: the connection that him and uh, Bradley have already built up through the national team play will, be, will, will, will speed it up for him. I think he will be a pickup soon. I just don't think you start with him.
0: I, I agree with Simon. I, th- I think the early schedule is not fantastic for Toronto. I mean, you've got two bye weeks in your first six weeks of the season. You're opening up with Vancouver, Columbus, a bye, and then RSL. Those are three pretty strong teams. I, I don't like... Th- Going up against for them gets a little bit easier, uh, I guess around week eight when you got Orlando then Philly and then start Travis Houston, but I don't know. <laughs> well, and as long as he's not
2: scoring a boatload of goals in the first six or seven weeks, his price isn't going to go up
0: yeah. that much. And this being said. I like Toronto this year. I think they've done a great offseason, and I think they're at least going to make the playoff this year. I agree for what it's worth.
3: I don't have any basis
0: behind <laughs> that. Either. I cleared the room. Drop
1: mic. Nah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to say that. Toronto fans, man, that's the one fan in MLS I feel bad for as a Chicago fan, and that's uh, <laughs> that's a lot to say the last couple of years.
3: Just, I don't know, nine away games. Or not nine away games, eight, eight away games to start the season. Nah, seven okay doing math on the fly here seven away games because of two buys so the first nine weeks are on the road they absolutely have to get some points out of that is the thing you can't you can't go through a stretch that long without getting anything and they got a lot of new players so luckily they play some kind of weak teams in there so a lot of them are strong but they there's some opportunities
0: So part two, Velasquez. what do you guys think about him? He's what, 6.5? I know he's been pretty popular in a lot of the Rate My Teams I've seen at uh, Fantasy MLS Reddit. Yeah, I think for the price, if if Christ plays him as a starter, he's going to be totally worth 6.5. Does it help that he's a known quantity since he brought him with him from RSL? Is that going to improve his chances there, do you think?
2: I think so. I mean, he wanted him on the team, so mm-hmm. I think he has plans for him, whatever that may be. As long as you can I get past it. his hair. Yeah, yeah. His hair doesn't
0: translate to fantasy points, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> it should. Well, maybe it should. <laughs> well, then we have to give a bunch more to Oduro as well. Oh, no, take no. away. How many points is eating pizza worth after a goal? Hmm. Minus five.
1: <laughs> if it's Papa John's, you have to take points away for that. That is ridiculous. Uh-oh. I mean, a kid, kid played in Chicago where we have real pizza, and he still doesn't know what good pizza is, so.
0: <laughs> you want to grab the next one, Scott? Uh, sure. I we'll um, skip the, the switcheroo wants just to be pretty much covered that.
1: You know, I want to just ask that real quick, because I think that the poster is actually a Section 8 member, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got to give love to my fellow supporters. Um, Can we do the switcheroo again? We've answered this, I think, so we can all just say no. We covered that earlier. And then uh, I'll take O'Dave's question, a regular. How is expected points next round calculated and how dependable will it be?
2: Travis, what do you think? Yeah, Mr. Numbers. I can answer that, but the answer is I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> there's, there's been no information about what the formula is going to be uh, it sounds like it's going to be similar to other fantasy games where they give out what they think the player is going to score on a week basis so you can if you're in head to head leagues you can look at your matchups against your other your opponent and see oh, okay well I, my team's predicted to score 75 points and your team's Predicted the score of forty, so haha. But it may be a tool that's used to bring someone in that they may think scores more points this week versus last week. But they haven't given any information about how they're going to formulate that, so I don't know how it's uh, going to be signed.
1: Yeah, I think the second part about the dependability is uh, we won't know for a couple of weeks, because first of all, how are you going to have an expected points without a couple weeks of data behind you? So expect it to be absolutely useless for the first five weeks,
2: (laughs) and then we'll kind of come back to this question, I guess. Not to mention the randomness of MLS. You never know what's going to happen from one week to the next. Oh, for sure. So it's going to be interesting.
0: Now if people are really interested in this topic though, another friend of of the Fantasy Subreddit is um, Fantasy Overlord, and they have EPL and MLS price predictions on that webpage. And he goes into full detail about the algorithm and the science behind what he uses to predict prices, so if you want to figure out more, anyone listening, how someone might go about doing this I'd encourage you to go over to Fantasy Overlord take a look at that it's it's some heavy reading, but uh, if, if you really want to know that's the place to go that's how I spend my weekends there you go I guess our next question, another couple guys are the maximum or minimum prices of players, or sorry I said that wrong, I'll do it again, edit this out So next question, uh, are there maximum or minimum prices for players? How far can players fall in price? Some players will rarely see the field and I expect them to suffer price wise each week before. Well uh, I think we covered that a little bit earlier 45 minutes if you're gonna fall or a red card so you don't have to worry about your bench warmers they're just never gonna play falling. As far as a minimum or maximum I'm guessing the sky's the limit for maximum, and minimum is whatever your price is. So if you're a four, you can lose four. Is that what you guys think? I think he means overall for the year,
1: is what I'm guessing here. Like, can you only drop down to
0: 3.5 million? I don't know. I, from, from reading the rules, I'm assuming you could lose your entire value. I don't think that would happen because uh, surely if you're the worst player in MLS you would no longer play, <laughs> but um, I mean, it, I guess if we just kept getting red cards every game, but I, I would think you could lose your entire value would be the, the, the threshold. Yeah, I don't think there's any, uh, I'm sorry, I think I was cutting out
1: there. I don't think there's any minimum or maximum set by the league, so I think a player could technically fall to zero or possibly even go negative and a player could rise to whatever.
0: Negative. Pay the game money to have
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it could happen. And I think Will Bruins should be uh, should be on the list. They took away big chances.
0: Fluffed. Okay. <laughs> that's true. That is true. If you if you buy a negative player, then that's your own fault. You're going to lose your money. <laughs> we'll just say that. See so you. We get the next one, Travis. Sure. The next question
2: is from Daniel H. And it is what highly priced players might not live up to their value this year? So I looked at that a little bit. Um, I thought Zeusi was a bit high at 10.5. I mean, there's certainly other options that you could explore for that much money. There's no telling what sporting is going to look like this year. Hmm. They may do better. I mean, sporting towards the end of last season was pretty horrible. But, against a tougher Western conference, yeah, it's going to be rough. And then Valeri and Jermaine Jones, obviously injured. So, I'm not going to even worry about them at $10 million right now, the forwards I was looking at that were a bit pricey were Bradley Wright Phillips, Wondolowski, and Tom Dwyer. Now, I think BWP and Dwyer are going to score points. The question is, are they going to score enough to make it worth dropping $10.5 million for them?
0: Yeah, without Henri fil- feeding BWP, it's, uh, it's a bit of a question where he'll be at. I think I looked at these numbers a few days ago that Henri assisted eight of the 27 goals. So that's it's a decent chunk right there. Yeah, that's not even counting uh, the PKs earned. Right, which is hard to even really include at all for something like this. I th- You know, I think I'd add Javier Morales to that just with the, the change that happens with a new coach with the team uh, they've got some age in their roster now, uh, 10.5 is a bit much. I'd, I'd much rather go for Pedro if I'm oh, going right. to go with a Morales.
2: And it's a question about whether or not Javier is going to be able to remain
3: injury-free too. Yeah. I think he's still a solid option for what it's worth. Just, yeah, maybe a little bit overpriced given that – I think sometimes people forget a lot of his production. The last two years has been that uh, when Sabario has been out and injured, he takes the penalties and all the things like that. And Morales has had like a fairly disproportionate amount of time, especially last year, because Sabario was at the World C- Well training for the World Cup and then injured, uh, where Morales was taking the penalties because Saba was out, and he got quite a few goals off of PKs.
0: What about the new players, though? So we got Kaka and, and David Villa and, and Giovinco and all those guys. What do you think about those prices?
1: I think for the new guys, I think they did pretty well pricing them around. I, you know, I mean, Kaka's kind of high, but, um, you know, a lot of the other new guys aren't that bad. I think um, Piatti's not new for Montreal, but he came on last couple weeks of the season. I think he got priced a little bit high. But if you look like uh, Mix and Sasha Klitsch, you know, I mean, they're coming in at $9 million, which isn't bad, you know.
0: I think they're reasonable. I, I would still keep away from them just because I think they're reasonable for the hype we've built up around these players. But as far as actual production, I don't plan on having any of them on my team right now.
3: Um, the one new player who's not really a new player that I do think is kind of underpriced is Kai Kamara. Uh, he's had really excellent fantasy production when he has been in the league and he probably won't need that adjustment period, and he's got a fairly absurd Columbus crew team that's going to be feeding him. And he's only $8 million at forward, so if you're looking for a cheap option or relatively cheap compared to the high-priced forwards. Magadelo came back this year, too, didn't he?
0: Yep. And then uh, Torres down there with you, Travis, or is on his way. Is that what it is once the loan's over? He's on his way. It depends on
2: when Chivas lets him go. <laughs> so it's probably not going to be for a couple months. But it will be interesting to see how how well he lights it up once he gets uh, some service here in Houston.
0: All right, so that wraps up our Q&A period. Thank you so much for everyone who sent questions. Uh, next time, there will be tweets posted requesting questions for, and the link to the Reddit site where you can post them so that we can have a nice little conversation again for our next podcast. But we're going to wrap some stuff up, something fun, what I think. We have over 500 managers now who have joined the r slash fantasy MLS league on MLS and, uh, I went through the first few pages, got some of the names that I thought were funny. don't know if you guys did as well, but I wanted to share those. Some very creative members that we have. Uh, first from manager Brian, no last name. Acom to win. That's with Sebastian Latou there in the middle. thought that was clever. I appreciate those. Reminds me last year, black and red. In it to win it. I like it. I appreciate the creativity. Uh, next, Corey Major. Just something that made me laugh for my, my bar geek side was Oxford comma FC. I love, <laughs> I love the Oxford comma. I hate it when it's not there. I love it. And then I'm going to butcher this name, so I'm really sorry, and <laughs> ahead of time, from manager Giancarlo Garbagnati. I hope I did that right. He has too Josie or not too Josie yes that is the question whether (laughs) it is nobler in the minds to suffer the early away game schedule of outrageous fortune or whatnot of Toronto I I enjoyed those
3: dare to Josie that's all I'll say (laughs) hashtag
0: Hashtag dare to Josie
2: (laughs) Uh, a couple that I that I really enjoyed one was uh, Cameron Evans his team name is pitch slapped that's with a P (laughs) yeah That was good, and, and one I see that I think there will be many variations of these two names in team managers' uh, team names. It was from Carrie Rappaport, and her team name is Kakadudi.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then my favorite was from my boy Eric Walcott. Who, uh, his team name is Deportivo de la Sofa.
0: So he's, he's definitely a couch manager. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. Clever. A lot of fun names. Uh, you guys can always change your names, too. So
1: I haven't had a chance to go through the list, but I think we should definitely mention on the high number of teams that involve cat names, especially since we've got Simon on the show here. <laughs> really? When I was doing the, the, the cup last year where we took the top 128 and paired them down or... Two hundred and fifty-six. I don't even remember. It was a lot of teams. Um, I had to see all the team names, and there was a ridiculous number that involved cats. So there, there is a connection there between cats and fantasy soccer that I think needs to be needs to be examined.
0: This is the internet.
3: Some level of crazy goes along with both. So uh, I've thought about renaming my Sir Meowly team to Meow Mix, but that seems slightly unoriginal. So
1: I think the real question is, why is your team named Sir
0: Meowly? but you're holding a dog in your picture. <laughs> I was going to say, for those of you who can't see this, <laughs> you recording <laughs> be everybody's, and Simon is holding
3: this little toy something or other dog? Yeah, I'm not really sure. It's my cousin's dog. I forget what kind of dog it is. So It looks small and yippy. Yeah, that's a pretty good, pretty good description.
0: <laughs> well, that was fun. So, yes, uh, you guys can always change your names. We'll, we'll look forward again next week and try to mention some of the ones that uh, we find particularly entertaining. Uh, that's all that uh, we had planned for the show today. Once again, remember we are now on iTunes. You can find that link on Twitter at the at MLS Fantasy Insider. Sorry, at MLSFI Twitter account, and uh, subscribe to that. We have our last two preseason episodes also available. For download, you can go to Reddit and subscribe there to see all the great Rate My Teams in the chat that goes on there. For those of you not familiar with Reddit, it's just reddit, R-E-D-D-I-T dot com slash the letter R slash fantasy MLS. There's all sorts of great things there. Uh, Of course, two of the leagues I'll plug again. The Fantasy MLS subreddit league, the code is 4 302. And the MLS Fantasy Boss League, which that code is
3: 4 uh, 301. Anybody else have a league they want to plug? I would just like to mention iTunes, if that's okay, real quick again. So when people subscribe, please, please, please give us a rating if you can, um, preferably a good rating. A, a nice and high rating but it really helps with the show's visibility and so that um, so that other people who play fantasy and maybe if they're not in any of these communities but they are looking at podcasts in iTunes if you, if you give us a good rating and you subscribe that's gonna help make it easier for them to see see our show so we would really appreciate that yeah. yeah I want to throw in a plea too I would I want to
1: really encourage everybody that does listen to this or go to fantasy boss or go to the Reddit um, to just take time and, and thank Reed just post it somewhere say it somehow because I don't think anybody really gets an idea of how much work he does how prolific he is to kind of kind of nurture fantasy MLS soccer because he is on all the platforms he does run a lot of background between us guys you know he basically drives our communications to make some of this stuff happen so if you're on there just take a second say thank you you know share one of his tweets or make sure you're following him do something to help him spread
0: the word agreed I'm tearing up <laughs> thank you I appreciate it. it's, it's fun it's great to have a hobby that is just so entertaining and helps you meet so many fun people uh, so, yeah, again, that's all. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is the ML, the new MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast brought to you by MLS Fantasy Boss and all of the great hosts and co-hosts and members who listen. So give us a good rating. Give us some feedback. Give us some feedback. Sorry. And uh, thanks a lot. Good luck with the league this year.